over to you, Tim. Thanks, Benice. And uh, yeah, thanks, Joe, for, for leading us in worship. Um, it's really nice to sort of be back with you all. <laughs> Very frustrating that it has to be through this sort of virtual means, but uh, well, there it is at the moment. And uh, hopefully uh, next time, maybe, maybe in person, we'll see. <laughs> Um, so you can see what well, I've got my advent candles lit behind me, but in fact, I'm actually going to uh, slightly cheat because I want to put some images on the screen in a bit. So I'm going to go to my virtual advent candles. Actually, there, there are, yeah, there are actually five of them. So I'm slightly ahead of the game on my virtual picture. I should maybe save this one for Christmas Day, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Um, I don't have a, a single Bible passage to read to you today. Instead, I've got a bit of a, a collage. So I've taken some words from Psalm 42 and mixed them with a proverb and some verses from Isaiah. And then I've reached for the New Testament and sandwiched some verses from Hebrews among two verses from 1 Peter. And uh, let me just put the references in, in the chat there. So if you actually want to look at what these are later, um, you can. But, but here's my, my scripture uh, mashup for the uh, second Sunday in Advent. And uh, the first few, first few words uh, hopefully are on the, on the screen there. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So put your hope in him, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God, because those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Indeed, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed, because we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in a sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Well, I, I hope the, uh, the, the common theme is fairly obvious. It is, of course, uh, the word, word hope. And I wonder what your relationship with hope has been over the last nine months. In other words, you know, how's your hope? I imagine that uh, many of us can tell a story of uh, hope dashed. Uh, when the pandemic began to take hold and, and we started to realise how our freedoms would be curbed, there were any number of things we were looking forward to that we slowly realised could not take place. So parties and get-togethers and holidays and events and gigs and sports fixtures and house moves. I was all ready to head for the Alps in July, uh, bike on the top of the car, and I hoped to follow the Tour de France through the mountains. And we had it all booked, the channel crossing, the hotels en route, the Airbnb, uh, my friend John even had the best spots worked out for viewing the peloton as they passed. Instead, we had to settle for seeing our friends in Rochester. And <laughs> while Rochester is, I can now tell you, a, a perfectly pleasant place to visit, it felt like a mighty disappointment compared to the original plan. So we've had our hopes dashed. Others of us uh, might tell a story less of hope dashed and more of hope devastated. You hoped for your job, but you lost it. You hoped for your business, but it did not survive. You hoped and indeed you hoped and prayed 
for your friends or family member, but COVID took them from you. We could perhaps all tell a story of hope that proved false. Uh, you know, we can, we can beat this if we just lock down for 12 weeks. Uh, we'll have a world beating test and trace system. It will all be over by Christmas. Let's all go back to work. Let's all go back to church. Well, some hope has proved false and the recipe to solve our crisis hasn't turned out to be quite as um, oven ready as promised. But we can also tell, I hope, a story of hope igniting. I mean, November was, was quite a month, in fact, wasn't it? A vaccine, a new president of the United States, another vaccine, a third vaccine, and this time a British success story, even better regulator approval. Vaccinations available from this coming week. You know, the sparks of hope caught. And now there is widespread anticipation that even though we continue to wait, an end is possible. So where has the church been in all of this? Or rather, where has your personal faith been through all these months? You know, how is your hope? Have we been, and, and are we still, people of hope? What in difficulty distinguishes us from anyone else around us? And my mashed up Bible reading includes Proverbs 13 verse 12, which says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. As hope this year has been repeatedly dashed, devastated or proven false, have we had sick hearts? And have we been really as miserable and bleak as the next person? Or have we sat beneath the tree of life? After all, in, in Romans chapter 15, um, uh, Paul, he prayed for us uh, and he, he wanted that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and peace so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So how has your hope been lately? Has it been overflowing, spilling over or dried up? There is something that I find really beautiful in this season of Advent. These four weeks of waiting for Christmas marked each year by the church with five Advent candles, one more being lit each Sunday until all five are lit. Uh, back in the days when, um, when I was a church minister, uh, Advent was undoubtedly a hectic season. But in my office, I had a, a small, a small um, oil lamp. And it was given to me when I left Regent's Park College, when I, where I trained for ministry. And in Advent, when I was preparing for the many Christmas services that were coming up, I would light it and sit it on my desk. Advent, as a minister, to be honest, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a slog. It's hard work. It's the busiest time of year. But the graft is balanced by hope, represented by the small flame of the oil lamp. And this hope that you know, whatever has passed and whatever may yet pass, Jesus is coming. Jesus incarnate or, or God incarnate, God made flesh, made real, arriving in the middle of us, giving us cause for celebration and family and feasting, and maybe just relief that there is good news to share. So I kind of like Advent because it doesn't shy away from the difficulties and the hardships of life. Instead, it lights a candle and it kind of plonks it in the middle of the darkness. And that darkness may be 
a job that's far too busy. It may be ongoing search for a job at all, or it can be family worries or illness or loss. And Advent makes no pretense. These things are real and they make our hearts sick. But Advent lights a candle in the middle of it all and says, there is hope. So how is your hope? Is it overflowing as Paul in Romans prayed that it might be? Incidentally, by the way, uh, Paul is pretty keen on hope. Paul mentions hope in almost every letter of his. Hope, he says, does not disappoint us. For in this hope, we were saved. Be joyful in hope. Now these three remain, faith, hope and love. In God, we have set our hope. If we have such a hope, we are very bold. We eagerly await for the righteousness for which we hope. I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I hope in the Lord Jesus. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Put on the hope of salvation as a salvation, as a helmet rather. God loved us and gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. We have put our hope in the living God. Faith and knowledge rests on the hope of eternal life. That's just a sample. Paul is relentless. We have hope. We have hope. We have hope. And that word appears time and again in his letters. But what I hadn't realized is this. In the thinking of the ancient world, or at least in Greek and Roman thinking, hope was apparently not considered much of a virtue. Hope wasn't really worth pursuing because the ancient philosophers considered hope to be illusory, kind of vain, fleeting. Hope was seen as fantasy, just as wishful thinking. So this makes it more remarkable that Paul bangs on about it. His promotion of the concept of hope was quite radical. Paul preached the value of hope to a culture that believed hope led only to disappointment. And the reason for this confidence in hope is, of course, uh, that for Paul, hope was not fanciful. Hope was not wishful thinking. Paul's hope in God was baked into his Jewish mindset because of the story of God's involvement with his people. Supremely, after 400 years of slavery, God had delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. No less significant, 800 years later, God had brought the Jewish people back from exile in Babylon. Not only that, but the Israelite prophets, Isaiah and the rest, had constantly offered hope through their prophecies of a Messiah, a saviour to come, a divine figure, a ruler over Israel whose origins are from of, of old, as the prophet Micah promised. So the Hebrew scriptures that Paul studied what we now know as the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures were shot through with instructions to the reader that they should hope, and it gave them the reasons why. So Paul's hope in God was grounded in historical evidence for God's intervention. But there's more. Paul didn't just hope in God generally, but he hoped in Jesus specifically. Jesus believed that in... Uh, Sorry, Paul believed that in Jesus, the ancient hope for a Messiah had been fulfilled. The Christ had come. Divinity had walked the earth and to crown it all, even when it seemed that all was lost and this Messiah had been unfairly tried and beaten and crucified, he rose again. And Paul says his faith is as nothing without the resurrection of Jesus. If even death was overcome, 
what possible reason did he have not to hope? So Paul's hope rested then on this legacy of longings fulfilled. So he had hope in God, founded in the Old Testament story, and he had hope in Jesus, who would come to us, died for us, and risen again. Paul's faith, our faith, the Christian faith, is a faith of hope. And it's why the book of Psalms, which is the Bible's prayer book and hymn book combined, has more references to hope than any other book of the Bible. So let me ask a question again. Are we, as a result, hopeful people? How's your hope? In my scripture mashup, I included a verse from 1 Peter. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Um, this verse does kind of assume, doesn't it? that other people will have noticed that we're hopeful. There's not much point in saying it otherwise. You know, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason why you're as miserable as them. No, it doesn't say that. It says give a reason for the hope you have. The verse in the, uh, the mashup that was from Hebrews includes a line, we have an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So while our nation has been on a roller coaster of hope through 2020, hopes dashed, hopes raised, hopes dashed, hopes raised, and so on, we have a hope that is constant throughout. And people of no faith don't possibly have this hope. We, as believers in God and Jesus' followers, most certainly do. So perhaps it will help us to think a little about what exactly we are hoping for. I mean, we can glibly say, well, I have hope in God, I have a hope in Jesus, but it may help to explain what that looks like. Well, let me tell you firstly what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like special protection. Hope in Jesus is not about expecting that while everyone else suffers, we don't. And we don't have special immunity from disease or redundancy or isolation or mental health difficulties or family struggles, the things that this year has brought to so many. And to suggest that our God is one who gives us hope for special protection because we're Christian is an insult to those who have faith in God but have still lost loved ones or jobs or stability. And I'll tell you secondly what it does look like, at least in part, it does look like a hope for eternity. Our hope is, in, in the final analysis, it's hope for a new age, a recreated world, a heaven in which wrongs are righted and pain and tears are removed and, and loved ones are reunited. And this is what we call our eschatological hope, hope that in the end, all will be made right. This is absolutely part of our hope. It's an essential part of our hope. The hope of a Christian is that however bad things get now, there will be a final reckoning in our favour. There will be restoration of peace and goodness. However, I don't know about you, but I'd like to think our hope is also for something a bit more immediate. Now, what about now? Well, I can only speak for myself, but I'll tell you what it is that I hope for in the present. And I'll be the first to admit that 
you know, I guess I've been largely untouched personally by the pandemic. So perhaps my hope has not been tested as it might have been for some of you. But this is what I hope for. Firstly, I hope for God's creative intervention. And like Paul, this, this part of my hope it is a hope in God in a general sense. It's based on what's been revealed about God, especially in the Old Testament stories. Because like Paul, I, I can read of a God of exodus out of slavery. I read of a God of return from exile. I read of a God of deliverance and salvation and vindication and restoration. And I believe these stories exist, not because every now and again, God thought, oh, well, I, I suppose I better go and sort things out. I believe they exist because in his very nature, in his very character, God is love and life. And I think that God cannot help himself but be a source of hope. God's eternal way of being is to breathe life and to nurture life, to restore life, to repair life. He sustains the world by constantly giving of himself to us. You know, in, in, in the very first verses of the Old Testament, you kind of have perhaps the very first advent. The world is dark and chaotic and brooding and the imagery used, it builds anticipation. The story is told in a way that, that pitches the reader straight into this idea of, of waiting and hoping for God's creative intervention. And so it comes, God speaks and life emerges. And that pattern continues time and again through the Bible's pages. In the longing of a barren woman to have a child. In the longing of a people to be free. In the longing to rebuild the city and temple. In Jerusalem, it's a longing that God will make it happen, that he will creatively intervene. So my hope today, December 2020, is that in this terrible situation that is not of God's making, God nevertheless somewhere, somehow is at work to creatively intervene, to bring good news and to bring re restoration. Maybe God is at work in the inspiration of scientists or the prompting of kindness among neighbours or the reshaping of the way we relate to our environment or even perhaps in the revealing of inadequate government in so many different nations. I just believe that God is at work and he's not silent or absent or uncaring. He is creatively intervening, whether or not we understand how. My hope is that God works on the side of goodness and love. But secondly, I hope for Jesus's presence. And again, like Paul, this part of my hope is in Jesus specifically based on what is revealed about him in the gospel stories. I'll tell you something I discovered um, in this last week when I was getting ready for this sermon. There are, well, there are 27 books in the New Testament. I, I didn't discover that. I knew that already. Um, but the importance of hope in Jesus appears in 16 of them. And of the 11 where this idea of Christian hope is not mentioned, well, six of them are among the shortest uh, books of the New Testament. So Philemon, James, 2 Peter, 2 John, 3 John and Jude. Uh, they're so short that maybe we can uh, forgive them the omission. But the other five books where hope is not mentioned are five of the longest books of the New Testament. 
And I'm referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Revelation. And if you think about it, it's obvious why. Books in which Jesus is alive and present and on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, well, they don't need to be talk of, they don't need to talk of, of, of hoping a Messiah will come. He's already there. And a book that talks about Jesus bringing all things to a glorious close, Revelation, doesn't need to talk about hope that Jesus will return because in the vision of Revelation, he already has. In other words, when Jesus is present, hope is fulfilled. When Jesus is present, hope is fulfilled. And that suggests to me that hope in Jesus means hope of his presence. Now, in the gospel stories, when Jesus was present, yep, for sure, sometimes he enacted that creative intervention of God. And people were healed and delivered and raised from the dead. But not always. Sometimes Jesus simply was. He was just there, present with others, gracious to others, listening to others, weeping with others, talking to the woman at the well or, or partying at a wedding or eating at a tax collector's house or feeding the crowds or getting angry over exploitation. He offered comfort, encouragement, solidarity and empathy. So this also is my hope that in the middle of everything, the loss and the anxiety and the hardship, Jesus who came once will come again and again and again. I'm not talking about the second coming. I'm talking about his presence here and now in our hearts in the actions of others through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I find it hard to describe, but this awareness of Jesus present in the middle of it all, it makes me somehow, it makes me sigh with relief, I think. It gives me goosebumps. I feel my burden lift. I am known. I am understood, I am held, I am accompanied. This is my hope. So this is the beauty of Advent. We recognize that all is not right and we acknowledge our need to keep waiting and to be patient. And I think Neil Letizia is speaking on waiting next week. But because Advent comes around every year, we are also recalling that Jesus comes again and again and again and makes himself present with us. We may have hope in God's creative intervention. We may have hope in Jesus's coming to be present with us. So as we close, there's an, there's an obvious question to take away. If we, as God-fearers and Jesus followers, if we are people who have hope, how can we give hope to others? If our hope that Jesus is, is that Jesus will be present, and yet we know ourselves to be the body of Christ, how can we be the presence of Jesus to someone else? So I want to close by inviting you to be still and quiet for a minute and to think on this question. Who needs you this week to be the presence of Jesus for them and to give them hope? 
let's just be quiet for a moment and think on that. And then I'll lead us in prayer. Let's pray. Loving God, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I want to thank you for the gift you have given us, the gift of hope. Thank you that we always have a source for looking up, for not feeling entirely defeated, in difficulty, in hardship, in waiting that continues, we hope for your creative intervention and we hope for your presence. I just thank you for that gift. May it be a reality in our hearts, particularly for anyone listening who may be in a particular struggle and who may be finding life hard or where there are things coming up which are a threat and a concern and an anxiety to them. May the hope of the faith we have in you fill them and uh, give them encouragement. And Lord, I thank you for the gift that we are to others. We are the gift of hope to other people. And even in our limited interaction with people at the moment, whether at work or neighbours, family members, Lord, I pray that you would enable us not to be false and or shiny and happy in a inauthentic way but to be people who hold the tension of the difficulty now with a hope in you and may that be noticeable to others and may if we are asked may we be able to give a reason for the hope we have inspire us lord to give hope and to pass it on, even as we look to you, that we might receive it ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.